The first rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. The second rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. Third rule of Fight Club. Have fun and be yourself. Hi, it's me, Doug. You might remember me from Fight Club or from my views around podcast, but I want to let you know what the fourth rule of Fight Club is, and that is to like and subscribe to my views or my own podcast. And if you're really feeling like fighting, uh, share with a friend or post it on your social media. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, wait, I have to go fight somebody. Okay, bye. Hold up. This episode was brought to you by William Mitchell Audio. Now, anyone who knows anything knows that William Mitchell Audio wouldn't trust anybody else with creating a new jingle to represent their brand. Now, we've tried a few in the past, and if you listen to the podcast, you've heard some of the prototypes, but I think this is going to be the one. It's inspired by the hit film 8 Mile starring Mackay Pfeiffer. And here it goes. William Mitchell Muppet, 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 babies, 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 babies. Go to williammitchellaudio.com. My guests today are Harriet Harris and Michael Holcomb. Harriet and Michael are the founders of Baltaspore, a gourmet and medicinal mushroom operation based out of Baltimore. Michael and Harriet both got into mushrooms for their medicinal benefits but have since grown a love for all fungi. Started in Baltimore, their aim is to help the community around them through education, outreach, and affordable local food. Michael is the head of laboratory operations while Harriet oversees growing operations. What's up, guys? What's up? How's it going? Uh, Really good. I'm glad we like beat all of our technical difficulties and we're in the middle of actually getting some shit done. So if you guys don't mind, we're going to start out with some questions from the listeners. And I don't believe that all these people took it seriously, but, you know, feel free to answer however you want. want. Sounds like a plan. Okay. I like this question. Ooh, and I I think I know the answer to it, too. Uh, How many different... Oh, this is from... uh, By the way, I should say the person. This is from Monty Vic. How many different mushrooms are there? (laughs) Oh, God. I mean thousands upon thousands of mushrooms uh fungi are everywhere they're the basis of pretty much all life on earth so i i don't even think it's possible to list all of them nor do we know how many exist right now okay i was i was gonna guess a million but i that's probably 
they don't they don't stop like they're they're constantly changing there's new mushrooms you know developing every single day um you know they're constantly breeding with each other and creating new mushrooms so every single day there's you know hundreds of thousands of mushrooms that are probably creating their own like new types so you can't keep up with it and there's like uh, i guess technically there's a difference between like the word mushroom and fungi because like like a mushroom is like the reproductive organs of a fungi is that Am I saying that correct? I don't know. Yeah, it's like the, it's the fruiting body of fungus. Okay, because I was gonna say I heard, I had heard somewhere that like something like fifteen percent of your body is made out of like I guess fungi. Yeah, you got all kinds of crazy stuff going on. It's like a loaf of like loaf of bread you leave out, it gets all green and moldy. That's full of fungi, but it's not mushrooms. But you know, there's the potential that a mushroom could grow off of that bread. Uh, I don't know if mushrooms could grow off of you right now, but that's, uh, <laughs> that would be kind of, that'd be sick. I think whatever I was listening to, it was like something they're like talking about like gut bacteria and that mm-hmm. some of yep. that is like falls into the, the mushroom kingdom, but, or whatever. Yeah, it does. Technically. Yeah. All right, Monty. The answer is millions. <laughs> <laughs> that's That's right. That's right. All right. This question comes from uh, Billy and he wrote, not a question, just a statement. Acid is better. I don't know if you want to react to that. If you have a response, I disagree. It's a, I completely disagree. One hundred percent. I disagree. One hundred percent. You know, I uh, I'm not afraid to say that I openly use psychedelics uh, because you know I, I use them for depression and anxiety and you know everyday life. And I'd say in the near future, antidepressants will be disappearing. Uh, Baltspor is not focused on that because we're not legally allowed to focus on that. But from my personal experiences, I will tell you that uh, acid is a little bit more intense as far as like, uh, you know, it definitely melts your brain. Whereas you come out of a mushroom trip, uh, definitely a little more clear headed, you know? Yeah, for sure. Me personally. What about you yourself? You said you personally like mushrooms uh, more too. What's uh, Uh, what's your purpose? I've tried both, but I mean, like mushrooms are also like the thing is you can eat like a mushroom. You know, you can be like, I'm going to eat a mushroom and still go about my day and do things. You don't get that. Like. Acid does not give you that choice. If you take acid, the next, <laughs> the next eight hours of your life are dealing with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Up. you're in this for the long haul. <laughs> so sorry, Billy, the answer, or I guess it wasn't a question. He's probably going to maintain his opinion whether or not we don't. So anyway, uh, yeah. it's, it's unanimous on this podcast. Mushrooms are better. Uh, oh, shit. Well, this is basically, you, you kind of just answered this, but here's another question. This one comes from Jesse. And she asked, are mushrooms going to be able to be used for the treatment of mental illness? I mean, 100%. Yeah, you're already seeing it uh, in Washington. I mean, they Seattle just legalized it. Um, I think Oregon did as well. Uh, so major cities are already seeing the benefits of it and implementing it into a more of a healthcare setting. Uh, so I think it's only a matter of time before you see it across the whole country and uh, across the whole world. And I mean, uh, like you just heard me and Mike say, we're already uh, using mushrooms for mental health. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. And it's funny, like it's, we don't, we don't need permission from the federal government. I can just do it on my own. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, they grow naturally. You can go out and find them outside. I don't recommend ever doing that, but. Uh, oh, we're going to get into that, into foraging. That was going to be one of my questions, but if you don't re- recommend it, maybe I'll be careful with how I ask. All right, let's. Yes. One last question from a listener before we move on. This one comes from uh, George, 
And George wrote, oh, George. Okay, he wrote, is your partner a fun guy? <laughs> it's like the oldest joke, but it gets me every time because I'm a dad at heart. Um, Mike is the absolute funnest, I would say. <laughs> All right, dope. I had a feeling that you were a fun guy, man. But anyway, that's, uh, yeah. that's it. That's, that's enough cool listener questions. Let's ask my question because this is what I really, really want to know. I actually have like a, every once in a while when I have guests on, I have a, like a really selfish reason to ask a question. And this is one of them. And I totally understand if the answer is like, no, there's no, this is not a thing, but you know, mushrooms are so versatile. They do neurogenesis, fight cancer, they boost your immune system, you know, like, so why not in all these millions of species, maybe there's some stuff I don't know about. So this question came to me because I started writing this interview in the gym. And while I was lifting weights, I realized that I don't want to just get back in shape. I was like, I actually want to go to this like complete extreme and grow grotesquely huge muscles. Like, and I'm trying to get as huge and jacked as like the, like the dudes that were speedos in competitions and, you know, like spray bronze all over their body, like just insane, like veins popping out everywhere. It's a new hobby of mine. I'm really, I'm not kidding. I really want to do this. And, you know, but you know, those dudes look like they're on steroids. They probably are on steroids and I don't want to use steroids. That's, I know that's a lot of a prim, you know, preamble, but I just wanted to ask that to say, is there anything, like any kind of mushrooms that you know of that have properties that could be used like for someone that has a goal like mine? So believe it or not, actually, like, so my history is like, I got into mushrooms because I had a, a tumor that ate my upper humerus bone. And I had tumors that spread in my lungs and I started getting into mushrooms for that. But before that, I also used them for working out. So I was also a yoked guy. Like I, I liked being big, like I, I like to lift. They have mushrooms for pre-workouts now. Uh, mushrooms, there's, there's so much protein in mushrooms that people use them to help as, you know, a supplement for meat and also add to their meat. So the answer is, can they help you get big? Yeah, they can definitely help you get big. And, uh, you know, I, I've got people that I can put in touch with you that can help with nutritional, you know, science of it and help, you know, help you guide that direction, especially if it's one of your hobbies. Like, I, it seems like you might be passionate about it. And I got, I got some people that are actually yoked like that, that don't take steroids. Uh, you don't have to have steroids to be a big Jack Bronze dude. Uh, oh, you just yeah. got to keep on doing podcasts and in between your podcasts, do a hundred pushups and eat mushrooms. <laughs> Hell yeah. That is such good news. And I'm not even kidding. Like, so I've like, I've had times in my life where I've gotten kind of big in like, cause I've been lifting a lot, but like this time around, I'm like, you know what? I'm at a point in my life. Like if I don't do this now, I'm not going to be able to do it later. You know, like when I'm an old man, I'm not going to be able to get obscenely jacked. Cause I want my friends to be like worried about me and be like, Dude, why? <laughs> and, and I, and I still skateboard. I'm, you know, I'm pretty old to be a skateboarder too. And I thought like, why not add, you know, cause people see me skating. I'm like, Oh, that guy's too old for that. But what if I was also, is like a bodybuilder, like a, like a clearly like, like a dude in his like late thirties, huge like veins everywhere. And I'm skateboarding and I'm just like a spectacle. I think that I saw a guy, I saw a TikTok of actually some bodybuilder that was like, he was probably like six foot two is huge. And he was like 40 and he did a, he did a kickflip and everybody went nuts because he was old and jacked. And they were like, how the hell did he do that? So I, I, I get that. There yeah, is a dude, cool. there's a dude on Instagram I follow and his, I forgot his name is something like SC big boy. And he's, fu- he's so fucking huge, dude. He's like, it's absurd. And then he like, he like ollies over trash cans. Cause he can still skate. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty cool. <laughs> All right. Well, now that we got that out of the way, Oh man, uh, just before we move on, uh, off the top of your head, do you know any like, uh, of the species of mushrooms that are like 
that go into that kind of nutritional stuff? Shiitakes, cortis. Oh, go ahead, Harriet, you can answer this. Oh, well, I was just going to say shiitakes is a great one because it has the same amount of protein as steak, but zero fat. So it gives you all that protein for rebuilding muscle, but uh, none of kind of like the weight gain you see associated with it. But Mike knows the ones for energy. He's all about that. Wait a yeah, second. So so you're, telling me a, you're telling me a shiitake mushroom has as much protein as a steak? You have, I mean, you have to eat like as much in weight as you would a steak. Um, but yeah, shiitakes are on par in protein as a steak. That's amazing. I had no idea about that. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I was going to say people take cordyceps and like uh, my attack and other mushrooms to help with like a pump, like get your blood flowing. Like these mushrooms are proven to open up the blood flow and, you know, get the heart moving a little faster. So like you, it's like mushrooms kind of incorporate into working out and every day-to-day health, um, which is kind of incredible. I can't wait to be like the dude in the gym that brought my like meal prep in. And it's just a giant Tupperware full of shiitake mushrooms. And I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> like everyone else is doing free workouts. <laughs> yeah. You would be a legend. Yeah, dude. All right. I, I feel like my future is looking bright. Thanks to you, Thank you so much. Uh, but Hey, let's talk about uh, your business and just like maybe like a rundown, just the pitch of what, what is Baltaspore? I don't mind getting into this. So uh, essentially Baltaspore is a, a company that worked out through a series of just fortunate events. Like, so I opened, I own two other companies and uh, one of the companies is a plant store in Fells Point. And Harriet actually came to me. I worked with Harriet at Panera 13 years ago and worked with her briefly. And then our, our life split separate ways. We didn't see each other for probably at least 13 years. You know, it, it was a long time. Well, Harriet came back uh, because my friend said, hey, you know, Mike's got a plant shop and I know you work in Baltimore if you want to stop by and possibly ask about a job. Well, Harriet came in there and I started talking to Harriet. I'm like, Harriet's not an employee. Harriet's a boss. Like Harriet doesn't need to work for other people. Like Harriet is a driven person. And me being an entrepreneur that knows how to help guide people into becoming entrepreneurs. I was like, do you want to start a mushroom company with me? Like I already know I've always wanted to do a mushroom company because that's like where my heart is, is like plants and mushrooms, you know? Even though I'm an H, I own a heating and air conditioning company. People are like, "What? What the hell?" And you own a plant store and mushroom store. I'm like, "Yeah, because you know that's like I like those more." Um, so, anyways, so essentially we started working together. She's got a farm in Frederick, Maryland, and I've got a lab that I created in Baltimore where I would make my own fruiting blocks and grow my own mushrooms. And I wanted to take it to the next level. And basically, here we make all the fruiting blocks and the genetics and the grain. And then it goes to the farm to fruit and Harriet being the, the green thumb person, she is, does all that. So, uh, that's the, the day to day is we create Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, uh, can I ask you what, what a fruiting block is? Yeah. Can I show you? Yeah. But, uh, we all don't right, have cool. video for this. So people at home will have no idea what I'm looking at. Uh, okay. So a fruiting <laughs> block is essentially, I didn't know if people could see this or anything. Oh no. So. Yeah, I should have told you beforehand. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's good. So it's a soy dust and sawdust or soy hulls and sawdust combined. And basically the mushrooms like to grow on that. The soy hull is nutrients and the sawdust is just the wood that they help decompose. And it's just a block in a bag and you would inject it with grain or liquid culture. And it turns all white. Like my, it's the mycelium that block then goes to the farm and fruits. So basically it doesn't fruit until you put it in the right condition. So a humid space and the right temperature. Okay. So then like, uh, in the lab, that's where you first, I, I guess, like you make the stuff that you go and plant on the farm. Feel free to talk to me exactly. like I'm a toddler. Cause I don't understand farming at all. No, I, I don't like to talk science to people, to be honest with you. I like to simplify <laughs> it. 
Uh, I'm a simple man myself. When people start talking about, you know, joints and doctor stuff, I get confused. I'm like, just make it simple. You know, you know, it's, it's easy. So basically it's uh, yeah, it's like the seed, it's the spore or seed and it then goes into liquid or agar, which is just this nutrient that the mushrooms like to grow on. Then it goes to a fruiting block, which goes to the farm. So it's, yeah, in, in the lab, we do the stuff that makes it ready to grow. It's almost like a, we're the nursery here in Baltimore that then goes to the farm to grow. And then, yeah, then it can like flourish on the farm because it's got all the, the room and all that stuff. So exactly. uh, once you've uh, gotten the fruiting block to the farm, what's the deal there? Like, do you just do like rows, like how like a cornfield looks? Or I mean, I don't, I'm just curious. I don't know. You can do outdoor mushrooms, which we are doing this um, spring and fall. Um, But for the most part, we grow in what's called a grow tent, um, which is just a basically black canvas tent area um, because you really want them to grow in a sterile environment, most species, um, because you're always running the risk of contamination to your bags, like other molds getting in because there's hundreds of thousands of spores in the air. So we grow in sterilized grow tents. Um, you have to have the right humidity, right lighting for it, right temperatures. Um, and then it's just a bunch of sterilization all the time. <laughs> so it's just like a lot of cleaning and growing. Is there a season or like do mushrooms, can you just grow them all, like all year round? Um, so some grow outdoors in the winter and do fine in cold temperatures. We have a few like our king oysters. They love cooler temperatures. Our chestnuts don't mind it. Um, but the beauty of growing them in the grow tents and indoors is you can control the climate a lot. So um, you can grow them year round with climate control. Um, If you were to do it with like five degree weather outside, it would be very challenging because a lot of mushrooms go dormant in weather like that. And so like uh, how many, like how much can you produce? Um, I guess in a season, does that that make sense? Do you, does the word season apply to you at all? Uh, not really, not okay. as much as it used to. No. Um, I mean, there's definitely like seasonal varieties. There's ones that do better in the summer versus the winter because, uh, where we're growing right now, it's not as climate controlled, but I mean, easily hundreds upon thousands of pounds with a quarter of the space it would take to grow like crops outside. Cause you can stack the bags on top of each other. Um, you know, it's, it is a really sustainable way of growing in that sense. I know people can't see this, but, uh, this is a pink oyster mushroom, so. Okay, cool. So basically, yeah, it's like a mushroom popping out of what looks like a white bag. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> cool. Exactly. Well, what, uh, what's, a pink, what's a pink oyster mushroom for? Just for eating? Sauteing up and cooking, yeah. Uh, and speaking of, like, speaking of what mushrooms are for, and I had a, a question, but you, you guys both kind of like covered it a little bit just now, just talking about like how you got started with Baltuspor. But we did kind of breeze over something you said earlier, which is kind of a pretty fucking major event. And I feel like let's step back to that. Cause I was going to also, you know, like I said, I was going to ask you how you guys got into this, but you were saying partly you were super into mushrooms because you had like tumors that you were trying to go into remission. Was that like, uh, were you using the, the turkey tail? That's one of the things that I've heard is a anti-cancer mushroom. I was. So I, um, so my first experience with mushrooms is like most people, you know, on pizza, but my first actual experience where I remember was obviously with psychedelics. Um, I had a a tough upbringing and ended up doing psychedelics, which helped get rid of a lot of depression and anxiety I had fast forward to like 15 years later. And I ended up getting a a tumor in my 
my upper and my arm that spread to my lungs and my outlook wasn't great. You know, I was going, it was a very tough time for me. So I started looking, digging into like ways to help, you know, mitigate the tumors. And, you know, I, and also I don't, I'm not going to say this is a cure for everybody and I don't recommend it because there's not a lot of studies out there. I just kind of did my own thing. You know, it's, it's very bad if you don't know to, to try and push holistic medicine on people. You know, I think there's a place for all medicine, whether it's natural or pharmaceutical but there are a lot of really good studies on these mushrooms. So I, I was taking high doses of turkey tail, reishi mushrooms, corset mushrooms, uh, myotoc mushrooms, and several mushrooms that have been shown to help, you know, reduce cancer and, you know, help fight tumors. Now that worked in my case, it doesn't work in everybody's case. And I, and I don't even want to push it. That's exactly what did it. You know, it's, uh, I didn't go through chemotherapy. My type of tumor was rare. I am a, I'm a case study at Johns Hopkins. So I was one in 11 people where this tumor spread to the lungs and I had 22 tumors in my lungs, which to this day, I still have tumors in my lungs, but they're, they've stopped growing. So they're just there now. Um, but I, it, mushrooms also are, are a huge, they're, they're full of antioxidants and components that are shown to help fight disease and prevent disease. So um, there is a lot of research on it. So that's what really got me into it was when I went to my doctors and they said, whoa, we haven't seen tumors shrink on their own like this before. You know, it, it was kind of like, well, I know what I'm doing. Obviously, I, I don't want to tell them that I'm, that I'm smoking high amounts of weed and, yeah. you know, taking psychedelics for my depression to help, you know, with it. But, you know, I microdosed for 90 days straight on top of taking my regimen of mushrooms that I was taking. So I was taking uh, psilocybin pills in 0.2 form. So you don't trip. You can do them and keep on working and go about your day. From that, I ended up, you know, thinking outside of the box and opened up my own HVAC company with my brother. And, you know, I've continued to grow as a person. Like, you know, I, I don't look at myself as the main reason to live. I look at others as a reason to live. And I thank mushrooms for that. Like, you know, I want to help the world and, and mushrooms are the way to do that. You know, there's a, on top of the health benefits, they're also going to be getting rid of styrofoam with mushrooms. Packaging is going to be made with mushrooms, building materials, mushrooms. Like there's so many things and we're just now as a society touching base on this. Mm-hmm. Man, and it's, it's uh, interesting too, that you said, you know, you were at John, uh, John Hopkins, which, cause that's, uh, that's the main place where they're doing uh, psilocybin research where it's, you know, where it's legal and the doctors can actually do it and they get those profound results. Like, you know, with people that go in there that are like, have the most severe debilitating, like PTSD type stuff and then walk out of there. And I've heard it, the phrases are like, they're like, yeah, like three mushroom sessions is the same thing as 10 years of uh, therapy, like intense, you know, therapy and all this stuff. So, I mean, yeah. it's pretty amazing. I was going to say, yeah, mushrooms like saved my life. I had severe PTSD, just mushrooms and hallucinogenics in general growing up. Uh, and I, it was the point I was barely functional, like could barely eat, could barely sleep, like anything like that. And I remember the first time I ever used them just it changed everything. And, and I think there's a lot of benefit to that. And it's really cool that we're in a city where they're doing research on that. I mean, they're doing research on mushrooms. There's like, I'm pretty sure like ketamine clinics in Baltimore now that also help with PTSD and depression. So it's a, a pretty progressive city in regards to the research it's doing, which is great. Yeah. It's incredible how many, you know, all these modern ailments we have and the, the cures have always been here. I had a guest on just about a month ago. He has a a retreat uh it's in it's in mexico where it's it's legal and he does uh ayahuasca therapy 
and people like come out of there, they're like, you know, well, yeah, the same thing. We're like, they've been like, yeah, I've been in therapy for the past 15 years. I went and did this ayahuasca retreat and now I don't want to go back. Don't need to go back to therapy, which is like a pretty impressive uh, thing to say. Uh, but I did want to say one last thing too, about what you were saying, but you were still, you were still microdosing while you were taking the, the medicinal mushrooms, while you're taking the turkey tail, things that actually will make a tumor go into remission. But I think an interesting thing too, is that because mushrooms can also be used for end of life type things where people are terrified of death and, you know, tripping some mushrooms is the kind of thing that can get you maybe, you know, broaden your perspective on what death really is. And that life's more of a circle. Is that, does that yeah. make sense? What yes. I'm trying to say? Exactly. It, it makes plenty of sense. Cause when I went in there, like the, you know, my, I, I thought I was going to die. I mean, being told that you have 22 tumors in your lungs and you, you have to get your shoulder removed and replaced. Like it was terrifying. And the mushroom, like doing that made me realize, okay, like I'm, I'm happy with my life. Like it, it, and even if I'm not, it is what it is, you know? And that's because if I didn't have mushrooms, I would just be every day crippling, you know, anxiety and depression. Like, Oh, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. Um, so yeah, no mushrooms are for people that are also at the end of their life. I think it's a, an amazing thing to do. You know, like if there were, you know, places where people could go to just trip with a therapist right now that are at the end of their life, like there's no chance for them. At least their last six months won't be miserable. Yeah. Um, you yeah, know, there's you no, there's no reason to spend your last six months in crippling terror and mushrooms yeah. could be the kind of thing where it really unlocks that for you, where you're like, you really just take a moment. It's the same thing that happens with people that, you know, that, that are raised religious and they have, you know, really, really strong faith and that works for them. And they, and they have their, what they believe is the afterlife and it's going to, and that keeps them in high spirits till the very end because they have, you know, they have faith. And for, yeah. you know, other people, mushrooms can be that thing because it can, you know, no matter what, when you take them, you're going to, your perspective is going to change and you might, you know, become more aware of the fact that life is a cycle that you're not, that you never truly cease to exist. And ultimately mushrooms are going to like turn you into something else. <laughs> like right. that's, Actually, yeah, technically. Yeah. Right. Technically. Yeah. You have you, have you heard of the, uh, the, the mushroom death blanket? Yes. Yes. And we're trying to look into doing uh, coffins and things of that sort, because I mean, I think oh, a lot tight. of that's so tight. In the US, yeah, the death industry is really not sustainable at all. So the death blankets and the the eco coffins that they're making, I think, are the next big step in uh, reducing waste and all of that in the the death industry. And that's where we want to take Baltusport too. Like we want to we want to one day like Baltusport. We want to take towards mycelium products for sure. Um, you know, it's a it's a huge huge thing that needs to be addressed is our, our waste and plastic and materials that single use materials that can be turned into, uh, you know, used using mycelium to do it. You know, it's uh, it's incredible. And I've always found that the idea, like the type of the types of coffins they do that are, uh, it's like they, uh, they preserve your body forever and ever. I find yeah. that like, like not only is it like scary, but it's like uh, morbid, you know, it's like, I, yeah. I why, always why? tell my friends, I'm like, just throw me in the compost pile. Like, I do not <laughs> want to be stuck in some box in the ground, you know, just bones laying there. Yeah, that's the amazing thing. It's like if you do the mushroom blanket thing, the mushrooms will convert all of your energy and you will return to the earth and you'll become something new. You might be an animal, you might be a plant, you might be a person again. Who, who I mean, like, 
So some part of you, you know, and they also had shown that like a lot of mushrooms, even the gourmet species we grow that they actually, um, cause humans, we, we emit a lot of toxins when we decompose like back into the soil, especially with the embalming and everything that goes on. But there's plenty of species that love mushrooms that actually soaks that back up and uses it to grow and kind of keeps it out of the environment. I want to use, uh, since we're on record right now as my living will, uh, if I just like, you know, I don't plan on dying, but if I ever do, I want it to be known right now, mushroom blanket me. I don't, I do not want to be put in an airtight box. That's not what I want. <laughs> are you, are you putting this in charge? Are you, are you putting us in charge of this? <laughs> no, I just, no, everyone that listens to this podcast, like all the people, they all, you know, we all know I, now my, my wishes know. are known, man. I want to be converted into energy. I don't want to be preserved in a box. It's just terrifying. <laughs> it's yeah, like the no, only thing I'm scared of and I'm claustrophobic man so like for real like why make the end of my like, or not the end of my life but you know <laughs> put, put my body in a box that's not that's, the end of your life that's, that's cruel I've spent my entire life trying to keep my body out of boxes like <laughs> uh, but moving forward with uh, Baltusport things you do and I want to talk about you teach classes on foraging mm-hmm. and yeah. so I, I just wanted to ask like uh you know, what is a foraging class like? And also, can you teach me something today, even though we're not out in the woods? Of course. Um, So I would say like foraging classes, the first thing I really like to highlight about them is like ethical foraging practices. Um, One thing I've seen a lot in the forest, just since foraging has exploded in the last year since quarantine and everyone's getting back out into nature is people, they'll find something in nature and then they'll just clear cut all of it and take it all. Um, so with foraging, the first thing I start off with is just telling everyone, like, only take maximum 50% of whatever you find. Um, it's important to leave mushrooms so that they can continue to spread spores and grow, but also for the plants and animals around them that that feed off of them and use them in their environment. Um, and that goes with any plant or animal that you're hunting or foraging. Um, but yeah, we basically, in those classes, we teach people where to like uh, look for mushrooms, what tools they'll need, and what are the common mushrooms in the area. Um, so for you, you're out west, right? I'm in Nashville. I'm in oh, the you're in Nashville? Why do you think you're out west? Um, you're in Nashville. Okay, so I was going to say, well, this might still be applicable. Um, but, and now like morels, they're a huge one. Something you can learn today is that they like a, a sandy, loamy soil. Um, and they grow when the soil is consistently at like 60 degrees or more. Um, but it has to stay consistently 60 degrees. So that's the first thing when you want to look if it's morel season, which is like the white whale of mushrooms. Um, and they prefer areas where fires have just happened. So they like ash in their soil or things of that sort. So there's a fun fact. <laughs> is, is that the kind of mushroom like, like, like earlier when Mike said like mushrooms on pizza, is that what that kind of mushroom is? Oh God, I wish. No, morels are... Um, so the mushrooms on pizza a lot of times are like portobellos. That's what you get everywhere in the grocery store is just portobellos at varying phases of growth. Um, but morels are ones you find in the woods and they're all shrinkled and weird looking on the cap. Um, but like, I think Mike just bought like six of them at a farmer's market for like $20. Like they are very expensive because they're really hard to find and rare, but they taste so good. Okay. Definitely prize one. All right, <laughs> they, so don't grow, they, don't, they, they don't get, they don't, they don't grow inside. You can't cultivate them. They actually, they just this year, somebody learned how to cultivate morels. In all the history of cultivating mushrooms, 
this year somebody learned how to cultivate them like and has they're writing there's like a book out but it's not like it's it's intense yeah right, so. i read the paper and they're not releasing any of the info because they want to sell it commercially and i was like mm. the good news is everybody pretty soon we're gonna have morels on pizza because mm-hmm. <laughs> we can start farming them <laughs> hold up it's time for an important announcement over the past two years Most people have watched pretty much every movie that exists. And that means streaming services are desperate for new movies. And by that, I mean they will accept almost anything. And they are particularly interested in movies about monsters that attack you if you use one of your five senses. And that's where my views of my own podcast production studio comes in. But instead of me telling you about this, How about I let the movie trailer speak for itself? From the people who watched Bird Box and A Quiet Place comes this new horrifying thriller. In a terrifying turn of events, anytime a person eats something that tastes good, or if they just taste something that tastes good, they will be killed immediately by aliens, or we are told it could be ghosts. It is currently unclear what they are supposed to be at this time. We should be safe in here, but we have to eat something so we don't starve. And we need to make sure it's something that doesn't taste good. Don't worry. Here, eat the slop. It tastes terrible, but it has nutrients. Okay. Wait, what is this? What did you just give me? It's just chicken livers. I put them in my Vitamix with some Crisco I found in an abandoned Walmart, okay? I know it tastes like shit, but it has protein and some other nutrients. No! I, I actually like chicken livers. This tastes good to what? me. What? What? Why would you like this? It's not good. It tastes really bad. What? I grew up poor in the South. Anyway, <laughs> that's not the point. Why wouldn't you ask me? Wait. Why wouldn't you tell me this before? (laughs) My name is Captain Dick Laserman, and I lost my sense of taste fighting Al-Qaeda. And I just got red-pilled that these ghost aliens gotta go. There's only one man that has what it takes to fight back. But he never counted on one thing to happen. Love. I'm sorry, Dick. I have a rare disease that makes everything taste good to me. So now I'm starving to death and I'm dying. I love you. Goodbye. No! Coming this summer. A tasty place. Wow, this movie sounds really good, and I'm really excited. It sounds like a romp, and that it's cool for the whole family. So... I hope you guys are excited, too. I guess it's coming out this summer, so that's really neat. And now back to the interview. 
aren't aren't morels isn't that one of the mushrooms that's like super edible but it has a there's another mushroom that looks just like it that'll just kill you like in a minute yeah well so it won't kill you it'll probably just give you severe stomach upset which is you know sometimes worse than death um but and then they're called false morels the way to tell the difference between the two is if you cut a morel in half it'll always be hollow in the center whereas a false morel is going to be filled with mushroom matter um morels are perfectly hollow do you know do you know why they're poisonous like what is it like um, I don't, most mushrooms, they're not really poisonous. They're just um, really hard to digest in the human body. So like mitochondria are made of a material called chitin, uh, which is the same material that like a beetle's armor is made of. So it's like a hardcore source of fiber and whatnot, um, which can be really hard to digest in the body and can cause just severe stomach upset. If you don't eat a lot of it, your body's not used to this fungus and it'll treat it like an enemy basically and just like attack it and try to expel it as fast as possible. Um, There's certainly very poisonous species out there, don't get me wrong, but um, a lot of just the like lookalikes and whatnot, it's just not, your stomach's not gonna be happy. All right, I've got one more question about morels, just because we're on them right now. Uh, do they have, what are some of like the nutritional medicinal properties of morels? Oh God, I'm actually not super familiar. I just know they're super tasty. <laughs> okay, that's all that matters. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> as long as they feed you and they taste good. Oh, this is, uh, you know, just kind of like, let's just kind of expand our consciousness a little bit more and start talking about like the the real history, history of mushrooms. And you know, people that... uh some people, they get mad when you tell them that we're descended from apes. Would it be better to tell them that we're descended from mushrooms? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I tell people that all the time. I mean, there's records of mushrooms from the beginning of the earth and the prehistoric eras uh, and mycelial networks in the ground connect everything. I think Mike can elaborate on this some. Well, yeah. Was I right about that? It's like we branched off from mushrooms, right? I mean, yeah, it's like one of the oldest forms of life. Uh, there's so many theories out there about where we came from and, you know, it's, it's hard to say, but really like if you think about it, if, if evolution is 100% true, uh, then, you know, bacteria and fungus was needed for all of that. Like it's, 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 it's one of the things that helps decompose everything. So without it, there wouldn't be other organisms. So essentially, yeah, I think we descended from, from mushrooms potentially. It also is one of the only things that can survive space. So spores can survive actual space. So that kind of kind of tells you, you know, we, we might be aliens out here. We're actually <laughs> we're actually going to get back into that later. So I'm going to keep everything that I have to say about that to myself until the lightning round. But okay. there is totally a question coming up about uh, mushrooms from space. <laughs> but yeah, so that's the idea, right? Like uh, there was, you know, life branched off in like three kingdoms. And, but like mushrooms are the oldest one. So it's like we had plants and or like flora and fauna went off there two different ways and then mushrooms were like no nah, we're just going to stay primordial forever and and control the planet yeah they're the no change gang uh shit well while we're talking about like being descended from apes and all that shit uh what are your thoughts on the stoned ape hypothesis the one that that mushrooms created consciousness is that the one it's basically that yeah we were uh our ancestors were still very animal like and mm-hmm. but they were they like hunted, they were hunter gatherers, but I think this is like pre tools and fire. And this is the one, this, this is the one that I, I looked into a lot and 100% agree with uh, 
because I mean, I mean, I've created what I've created is essentially because of mushrooms. Like some of these ideas, like Baltaspor, the names, like ideas that come to my mind. Uh, mushrooms kind of make you think outside of the box. So I can definitely see how a bow and arrow was created, or you know, how somebody was just sitting there tripping, or like, wait a second, if I pull this string, something shoots, and it helped to evolve, you know, humanity as a whole. Like you know, it's uh, of course there's super smart people out there that don't take drugs ever that are just like super intelligent, but you know, imagine an intelligent person that's already super intelligent and then they take something that's going to make their neurons fire faster. Yeah. You know, it's uh, essentially kind of how, how a lot of evolution happened. And it's, it's, it's not a matter of theory, like a lot of actual things that help our world today were guaranteed probably because somebody was taking mushrooms, you know, it's a, it's a think outside of the box substance. So I think, I mean, obviously it's not, it's, it's, uh, it's not the most popular theory, but there's plenty of circumstantial evidence that can support it. And also what, you know, one of the reasons why the theory it was, that was Terrence McKenna who came up with uh, it was Terrence McKenna, yep. the thing, but uh, part of the reason that he made the hypothesis in the first place is because it's based on like, you know, fossil records and not, and whether, and they show that like, there's this dramatic leap and I forgot exactly which iteration of homo, whatever we were at that time, but whatever iteration was right before the thing that was closer to us, was like incredibly stupid compared to like the their antecedents and that was because the human mind expanded dramatically and grew really really fast and obviously that could be just you know mutations but it would also make sense that there was a catalyst and mm -hmm. i feel like and a lot of people feel like mushrooms are the most likely it was it was available yeah. i mean it grows in dung they're out there hunting in the savannas and this warm weather with dung everywhere you know it's and you know you see a mushroom they're foragers you pick it up and eat it you're hungry then you see god sense, <laughs> right and you see god and you realize you're a conscious being and you understand how you exist i mean it makes perfect sense to me and i not to i'm not going to keep going on and on and on about psilocybin even though i mean it's fascinating it's something i love i've had multiple guests on the show that came on to speak about just only that subject. Uh, but I do want to say, I feel like this doesn't get said enough because people think of mushrooms as something that's been illegal forever, you know, like that it's, or that it's been considered a drug forever. And that's just not the case because that was originally made illegal by Richard Nixon. And, you know, if you look at history, Richard Nixon, you know, goes down in history as being like criminally insane, you know, a national disgrace, like not a person to be held in high regard, but he put these laws in place you know, for whatever, you know, cause he's, because people that take mushrooms don't vote for Richard Nixon. That's why he did it. And so, but, but nobody has ever gone back and fixed it. They're like, Oh, Hey, this, this lunatic criminal outlawed mushrooms, you know, we should undo that law. That's a shitty law. So my question for you guys is where do you think, you know, as a society, how close are we to reinstating mushrooms as a natural and legal medicine? Five years. I think, I think we're, we're, we're there. Um, you know, essentially like, like Washington DC is 45 minutes from us. They are decriminalized there. Uh, it, it is every single other month. There's a state decriminalizing it. Uh, it's the only thing stopping is just politics. You know, it's, it's even the politicians know that they're, they're harmless, but you know, I have a feeling that it's all about, you know, it's, it's money hungry people that want to make sure they have a grasp on it before it goes legal, which is unfortunate but that's the case. Like it's people that know that it's going to be legal and they're working on making it in their favor. 
Um, and that's exactly what's going to happen. It's always ha it's, it's always going to happen with anything. Um, you know, just like you've seen it with the marijuana industry, the same exact thing. You know, there's people that know it's going to be legal. They're going to lobby it for, to, for it to be legal until they have all their lawyers in place and everything. Then they're buying into it and they're going to make billions. So, you know, I'd say we're about five years away from it, uh, especially with, with the studies coming out. Uh, that's the big thing that's going to be the catalyst is what Johns Hopkins is doing, what Harvard is doing, what Yale is doing, what what's happening is the catalyst. So I, I think we're about five years out. Cool. And you guys are in a perfect position. You've already, you know, you have the entire apparatus set up. So when legalization hits Maryland, you can start producing psilocybin mushrooms. <laughs> I'll have to talk to my lawyer and see what I'm allowed to say about that. Oh, no, no. I mean, like when it's, if it's, once it's legal in Maryland, it's then it's God, I hope it, it hopefully, I mean, if it's anything like the, the cannabis license here is, you know, those were so expensive to get and went to, you know, like politicians, kids and corporation owners, kids and whatnot. So, you know, one can yeah, hope be, maybe one day, but who knows <laughs> with how things work around here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, of course, of course we want to go that way, you know, especially considering our background, you know, it's not like we're, we're not two rich people that have, you know, that are money hungry, you know, we're giving people, you know, we want to take care of our community. You know, I, I don't, I own, I own a heating and air conditioning company that's successful. I don't care about money. Like I'm doing these things for the community and like, I would hope that we get a license so that we can make a difference and help make these things affordable. Um, if not free, you know, it, it would be great to be able to have, you know, to produce mushrooms, to give out to people that really need it. And of course, make money so that you can continue doing what you're doing because you have to. But in reality, like it's not expensive to make mushrooms. And, you know, if we can help change the world by not only guiding people from our personal experiences, uh, you know, from our our past and, you know, that's that's what we want to do. It, it's just a matter of, you know, when that time comes, are they going to give the licenses to the right people? Growing these kinds of mushrooms and making them available to people for mental health reasons, you know, and that we have, you know, we have a crisis of, you know, depression and anxiety and people are not able to live full flourishing lives because they're being, you know, held down by these disorders that are just caused by our, you know, our current society and like the world we live in. But also I feel like all the way to the top, you know, people need a consciousness change. And I agree. And the planet, it's, you know, the planet is at stake. Well, you know, we could, and we've all read the reports and we see what's you know happening. We could end up having an, a practically an uninhabitable planet, you know, in within our lifetimes. Mm -hmm. And, but, you know, if we could get some of these uh, politicians to take some fucking mushrooms and take a look and take a think about maybe what's more important than just uh, taking bribes all the time, you know, and maybe that we want to keep the planet alive. So I don't know off my soapbox, but I just <laughs> well, <it'd> be nice. <laughs> I fully support legalization in Maryland and you guys being able to start helping people with that. But this is what, let's talk about what you actually do. And, uh, I just want to know uh, what are some of the products you make in the lab and how are they used? And, uh, and I, I know that came out kind of weird because I'm, I'm not fully, I'm still not fully understanding how your laboratory works. So go ahead. If you have questions that they asked, I'd like to help answer them. Well, I have one guy in particular, so maybe I should just do his question right now. Uh, this is my friend, uh, Brandon case. And uh, he was on episode 44 of this podcast. He had a traumatic brain injury from a motorcycle crash. And it was like really bad. And so he had, he, one of the first things he did is he hiked from Mexico to Canada, like all in just one long ass walk, but he, Hell yeah. he's a badass fucking dude. But also what he does is he grows lion's mane, uh, 
for neurogenesis. Mm-hmm. And here, I, I wrote down what he asked. So I'm just going to read that. Uh, he wanted to know your lab process for lion's mane and terpene extraction. And I, I, don't, I don't know what that means, but that was his words. So most of our, like, if you wanted to do terpene extraction, I mean, you can get the like thousands of dollars of equipment for like steam distillation. We don't have that. Um, but we just make like our tinctures are probably our product that's heaviest in them um, because you can extract terpenes just through alcohol and dual extraction, which is how we do ours, which is a process we do where we soak the fruiting bodies in alcohol and then take the fruiting bodies and boil them at a low temperature in water to help release some more bioavailable compounds um, and mix those to make our tinctures. So that's how the terpenes are, are the most heavily extracted. Mushroom terpenes aren't as explored though quite yet as like cannabis terpenes are, which you hear about constantly. Can I, can I interrupt you really quick? This is going to sound dumb. Uh, what is a terpene? A terpene is like a polysaturide. I got the science behind this. It's like a linked isopropyl polymer. I don't even like, I barely understand what that means. Um, but basically it's like something that all plants and whatnot contain. Um, it's a compound in a plant. So like in mushrooms, there's like, um, ganoderol and like ganoderic acid and like reishi which are found to be like antiviral and antibacterial it's just like compounds kind of in the mushrooms and plants that you get and uh like common plants a lot of it's like what causes a plant to smell a certain way so like lavender that's linalool it's been shown to be like calming and whatnot um yeah if that makes any sense yeah it's like you're uh, you're extracting the active ingredient does that make sense mm-hmm. Yeah, you're making it more available. Exactly. Like you're, it's it's almost you're concentrating it. Like you could eat, you know, ten pounds of lion's mane, but you get that same amount of of the terpenes and what you need in a dropper. So you're essentially just making it more available to your body to use. I, I, uh, your friend uses uh, lion's mane. I use lion's mane too. I think it's an amazing nootropic. So uh, it's, I can't wait for more people to get on board with this. To be honest with you. Uh, yeah. right, right after this interview, I'm literally going to go get some lion's mane and just eat the hell out of it, dude. Yeah. I mean, my <laughs> mom had a, a really traumatic brain injury when I was in high school and it killed her olfactory nerve, her sense of like, she can't smell and taste from it. Um, really bad memory as a result, like short-term memory um, since the accident. And she has started using our lion's mane tincture and for I I can't say for certain if it's a tincture I'm never going to be like a hundred percent this is what it was but in like the last three months she's starting to get like profiles of smells back like she can smell smoke for the first time in forever mm. and like notes of certain things and she is obsessed with it um I will say as a disclaimer for like if you're thinking terpenes tinctures just be careful where you buy the tinctures it's something like forty percent of tinctures on the market are made with the spent blocks instead of the fruiting bodies. So there's technically mycelium in the blocks. Um, if you look on the ingredients, it'll say like made with like myceliated rice grain or something like that. That just means it's made with a spent block. It's a lot cheaper to produce it that way. Um, but like our company, we use the fruiting bodies. certain companies do. Um, and that's where most of the beneficial compounds are are in the actual fruits so if you see that myceliated grain or myceliated anything don't get that okay so myceliated is the word to avoid yeah Yeah, Yeah. i've I've known this for a while like if you go to a place like whole foods uh or you know gnc and like 90 percent of the shit on the shelves is 
horseshit. It's like, you know, it's, it's not going to do it's it's the cheapest possible way they could make the thing and mm-hmm. still legally say it's what it is. And it's not exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, so. Shit. Guess what? Oh, I guess you were, you were going into products, I guess. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I, think I, I totally we skipped the thing because I wanted to tell you about Brandon and his yeah. story, this question. But uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, the products that you uh, that you make in the lab, what are they and what are they used for? That was the question. Yeah, so we make a lot of, uh, I guess, the stuff to actually grow mushrooms. So uh, sterilized grain, uh, which to anybody that doesn't know how the process of mushrooms is, they start in a syringe or in spores uh, or on agar. You then have to transfer that to grain, which is just, it could be corn, it could be rice, pretty much any starch, the mushrooms will grow on it. So we sterilize grain and make that in our laboratory. Um, we also make sterilized sawdust and we make fruiting blocks for people to buy. Uh, the tinctures aren't, they're not made in the actual lab where we do our, our mushroom work. Uh, that's a separate area. It's a processing area. We don't, we don't do that work in the laboratory. So um, we're, we're working towards allowing people to get affordable pro supplies essentially. Yeah. And then we are just getting our processing license ready now. So soon in the future, we're going to be offering like teas. Um, we already offer our tinctures, which is made from our fruit, but we're really looking into doing like teas and functional like mushroom powders. So you can really get that concentrated mushroom goodness. How many, uh, how many different types of mushrooms do you guys grow at, uh, at uh, Baltaspore? I'd say we're at about like 10 to 12 right now. Cool. So uh, what's yeah. your like, your biggest hits, like the ones that people want the most? Um, I'd say our lion's mane is super popular, just like as far as products go, because everyone's starting to get um, more aware of the benefits of lion's mane. But like food wise, people love oyster mushrooms and shiitakes. Okay, cool. And those are the ones I'm going to use to get super swole. So (laughs) so I got to take my lion's mane uh, for my brain, shiitakes and oysters for my muscles. (laughs) uh guys i gotta tell you one thing it's time for the lightning round now i don't know if you know how the lightning round works but i'll explain it because it's the game section of the podcast it's where i ask you questions super fast you got to answer don't don't take any time to think this is not cerebral you want to use your gut bacteria and make a gut reaction through your vagus nerve to your brain using mycelium to answer the questions is, I'm, I don't, that's not how it probably works, but anyway, that's how I said it. <laughs> Does that make sense? How do you want to do it? How do you want to do it with two of us? Do you want to go Harriet, Mike, Harriet, Mike, or do you just want to? I don't know. Cause like, I feel like some, cause I don't know who is going to like, the question is going to f- speak to the most, or I might want to hear both of your opinions. If you both have an opinion or you both have, a, you might have a differing opinion. How about this? Uh, if you both have, a, if you have an answer, raise your hand. And then I'll call any of you. And if you both raise your hands, I'll take turns with calling up on both of you. Does that sound good? Sounds good. Yeah. All right. I have a feeling you guys are going to win. I had... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, <clears throat> I told you this was going to come back up. And it's the very first question of the lightning round. What are your thoughts that a mushroom spore first came to Earth on an asteroid and that mushrooms are an alien life form or possibly the first life form on planet Earth? Mike. Fact, fact. It's a hundred percent. That's what it is. Like they, like they came, and that's that was the first form of life. All right. So actually, there was no life on planet Earth until a mushroom crashed on an asteroid. Harriet, do you agree? Um, 
Yeah. I mean, I'd say not like a mushroom, but yeah, like fungus came about. I'd say so. They came, they saw, they myceliated. <laughs> Dope. That's a, that's a cool theory, man. Mycelia is cool. That's like, uh, yeah. it's like the brain of the planet. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Here's this one's, uh, we're going to get kind of deep. We're going back to the nineties for this. In the 1996 hit song, Caress Me Down by Sublime, Bradley Noel describes his penis as being a mushroom. Do you think Sublime was suggesting that penises are a vestigial aesthetic inherited from our mushroom ancestors? You don't want to answer this, Harriet? <laughs> <laughs> this <is> my question. <laughs> uh, dude, that's sick. Uh, I don't know, honestly. Uh, I don't, Harriet, do you have an answer for that? Um, you know, <laughs> I don't. I try to avoid them as much as possible. I can't say much on that. You try to avoid sublime as much as possible? No, no. The vestiges. Of- oh, the penises? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but you know, that's food for thought, man. You know, that penises could be just like mushrooms were like, hey, let's just leave a little something on our like on our ancestors be like just something to remember us by i think mushrooms are i think mushrooms are too smart (laughs) do you think mushrooms are too smart to do a dick joke dicks are just dicks are dumb you know like 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 man when like when we think of our with our penis we're not thinking at all so i I don't think that's the case i don't know man i don't know there's anything that makes you giggle more than penises though except for farts maybe I don't know. <laughs> it's like, it's like farts, farts and then. All right. Yeah, it, I think it's, sh- it's shit and then pe- like farts and shit and penises are next, yeah. <laughs> We're going to have to go ahead and put that into the uh, unsolved mysteries file. But uh, listeners out there, if you, if you feel like it, if you know the answer, just hit me up and tell me and uh, we'll get it out there. Uh, all right, here's a question. With the new corporate culture of microdosing mushrooms to increase worker production rates, the question is, is there anything that corporate executives can't transform into something lame and depressing? Harry. Uh, no, there's literally nothing. Uh, I'd say corporate corporations almost stole my love of farming, which is like the most fun thing in the world. Um, they will, they will certainly find a way to, to steal everything. <laughs> I agree. It's like, and it's just so crazy. Like to take something like, like tripping on mushrooms and like, how can we use this to make, our employees reach higher quotas. It's like, God, man. <laughs> it's just- I just saw an article coming out about that. And I'm like, is anything sacred anymore? <laughs> it's soul crushing. They're like, Hey, let's take this, ama- this magic mushroom and just, just crush it and turn it into something gray and fluorescent and blah. <laughs> I don't think there's anything more soul crushing than maybe doing mushrooms and then having to return back to a corporate environment. <laughs> so I'm not sure that'll go exactly how they plan. I used to have a delivery job where I had, a, I was in corporate offices all the time. Like, and I was just always so happy that it wasn't my job to stay there. Like I just had to like hand over the package and get the fuck out. And I was just like, I was, a, I was a bike messenger too. So like, I was actually like having fun. I was riding my bike around the city but every time I had to go into like so, certain offices, I'd walk in and their vibe. Like I would just feel like, you know, in Harry Potter, the, uh, the Dementors, how they start sucking your soul out of you. I would start feeling like there were Dementors in the room and I'd like have to get out and be like, somebody sign for this. I got to go. No, I, I owe Mike my life for getting me out of corporate agriculture. I think he met me when I was like a shell of a human. <laughs> and and Baltus 4 has, has taken it to a, 
you know, renewed my soul a bit. Hell yeah. I love stories about soul renewal. Uh, (laughs) Next question. This one's pretty tough. Um, Best song about mushrooms. Yeah. I have a whole playlist called have a nice trip and I don't, they're not about mushrooms. Like I don't have a song that I specifically know about mushrooms that I listen to. Harriet, do you? God, I don't. I was going to say like, I can I think of like, I can think of two. Do you want me to just shoot, shoot those out and then you decide which one? About, yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, White Rabbit by Jefferson Airplane is definitely. About oh, it. yeah. She, That's a she great clearly, one. She actually says mushrooms. She's like, you just mm-hmm. took a mushroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's that one. That's a great song. I like that a lot. Great scene in, in Fear and Loathing Las Vegas when he's in the bathtub uh, singing White Rabbit. Mm-hmm. The only other one I can think of off the top of my head is uh, Caress Me Down by Sublime when he's talking about his mushroom tip and it goes drip, drip, drip. So, Oh yeah. That <laughs> pick t- <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I actually, I, I, I'll pick sublime. I like that song. I love uh, that song. Just me I'm picking cool. Jefferson airplane, white rabbit. That whole album is my, is my shit. So man, they're both so good. Do I have to be the tiebreaker on this? I think so. you do. Oh, caress me down. <laughs> yeah. All right, cool. <laughs> Wait, when he starts rapping in Spanish, man, he's like, you know, like you must be Yamunyeka if you're still standing still. I was like, oh, come on. Come on. Listen, yeah. It's a good song. Y'all are entitled to your wrong opinion. It gives me the right kind of loving <laughs> on Sunday morning. You know what I'm saying? Okay. <laughs> uh, here, let's not be too depressing, but speaking of mushroom clouds, fungi have survived every major extinction so far. Will they survive the one that humans cause? Yes. Yes. All right. So there's hope, people. Even if, uh, even if we can't stop Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk and all these guys from uh, tanking the world and BP and everybody spilling oil and shit, mushrooms will survive and they will eventually evolve back into another intelligent species. And hopefully maybe they'll be better stewards of the earth. So I like to look at, you know, there's a silver lining there. Absolutely. All right. Now this question might be kind of tough. You might, but you know, just kind of, like I said, go with your gut. First one that pops in your head. What is the most delicious mushroom-based entree that you know how to serve up? Ooh, okay. I like making the ch- I make I like making chicken nuggets out of uh, it's it's called a chicken of the woods. It's delicious. I, like I have an air fryer, and what I'll do is I'll just break them up, and it's pretty bomb. Also, truffles. If you have not tried white truffles or black truffles, truffle anything is fire. Uh, so, like a- any dish, I'll add truffles to. Uh, Harriet, what's yours? Uh, mine is definitely the maitake or the hen of the woods cheesesteaks. Uh, so hen of the woods has like the same texture as shaved steak and it has like a very meaty flavor to it. So if you just chop that bad boy up, throw some Worcestershire and a hint of soy sauce on it and some black pepper and serve that up on a toasted baguette with some cheese, it's beautiful. (laughs) Yeah. Harriet actually brought that to me one day and it was one of my favorite subs I've ever had. It was bomb. I think, you know, at first you had me sold with the chicken nuggets. But the uh, Hint of the Woods Philly cheesesteak, that sounds like what I'm definitely going to try now because I have a really, the way I feel about chili Philly cheesesteaks, one of my favorite things ever created, but it's the kind of thing I'm not really trying to fuck with anymore because it's just like not, not in their, (laughs) not in their original form, but yeah, like that sounds amazing. So it's called Hint of the Woods. You get some of that and then you basically just make a Philly cheesesteak out of it, right? 
Exactly. Yeah. No, cheesesteaks no. are my favorite. I say it's like a cheesesteak without the stomach ache, you know, now that I'm getting old, I just like can't hang with cheesesteaks as hard as I used to. So yeah, it's great. Uh, all right. I'm going to add that to my other bodybuilding stuff. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, guess I've got really great news. You won the lightning round completely. You might've had the highest score of anyone of all time, <laughs> but it, maybe it helps because there was two of you. <laughs> you I'm gonna add that I'll take that. I like it. Let's go. <laughs> yes. uh, but you know what? I can't let you leave without asking one question. It's the most important question of all. And that is, how can people find you? How can they learn more about Baltus floor? How can they check it out? If they uh, are in your city, where can they, can they like pop up? Do you got like a, a spot people can come and like check you out all that? Like, those are all my questions. I'll shut up and you talk. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, so we are located at several farmers markets uh, in, in the spring. You'll see a lot of markets listed. Uh, the best way to find out which markets we're in is to go to www.baltispore.com. Uh, as far as local, we are in a plant shop called Fells Point Cultivated Creations in Baltimore. If you stop in here, you'll meet one of the owners and, you know, or my business partner for the plant shop, Alex, and he can guide you in the right direction. Uh, Harriet, if you have some, you know, more that you want to add to that, absolutely. Oh, follow us on Instagram too. Yeah. Baltispore. Very easy. Literally Baltispore. Yeah. Doc. We're all over Instagram. We put all of our information there. Um, and then hopefully in the future, we're going to try and open up the farm to do classes on the farm, but that's still a work in progress. Cool. Well, but no, next time I'm in Baltimore, I'm going to have to hit you guys up and get some of these delicious mushrooms and make some Philly cheesesteaks. So uh, thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah. Thanks yeah, for please having do, us. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for listening to My Views of My Own. If you'd like to contact me, you can go to myviewsaremyown.com or you can hit me up on Instagram at myviewsaremyown underscore podcast or on Twitter at myviews underscore podcast. To end today's episode, we have a song from a great friend of the show, Nova Halo. Nova Halo was a person on episode 12 and the very first ever Halloween Spooktacular. She will also be on the next episode where we will be reviewing one of my favorite movies of all time, Aliens. She is super cool, and here is her song, Avatar. It's not the first one